Slava Isus Slava Navika. Glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory be forever. This is Father Basil again. And today I'm going to read uh, from a different book. This is called Light for Life, Part 2, The Mystery Celebrated from God With Us Publications. And I'm going to read about um, how we celebrate in our Eastern Christian tradition and about the liturgy and all that stuff as well. So I think I, I did read part of this book one time a few weeks ago, and I'm going to read about worship in our churches. Okay. Worship is an act which signifies both our complete openness to God and our desire for union with him. It is an offering of self, a sacrifice, expressed in words and gestures and deeds. This attitude is expressed in the so-called standard beginning, or Trisagian prayers, which most, with which most Byzantine liturgical, liturgical services open. This sequence, culminating in the Lord's Prayer, which proclaims a dedication to the Kingdom of God, Express the worshiper's self-offering in word, which is the prayers, and gestures, the metonies, the sign of the cross. These prayers, like any sacrifice, reflect the spirit of openness to God, which marks the believer as distinct from those who do not believe. In the Old Testament era, the spirit of sacrifice was expressed in the temple sacrifices of animals or food making these offerings express the worshiper's desire for union with God, but they cannot achieve it. This unity can only be accomplished in Christ. Since the law is only a shadow of the good things to come, not and not the true form of these realities, it can never perfect the worshippers by the same sacrifices offered continually year after year. But Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins, and took his place forever at the right hand of God. By one offering, he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. Christ did not offer a gesture or token sacrifice, but the complete and total sacrifice of his entire being. Through this unique sacrifice made present to us in the divine liturgy, we are perfected, truly united with God, totally transformed and made holy. Because of this union, Christian worship is an entirely new reality, what St. Paul called spiritual worship. I beg you through the mercy of God to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, your spiritual worship. So how do we participate in this worship of God? earthly participation and heavenly life. The commentaries of the fathers often draw comparisons between the earthly liturgy and the heavenly liturgy. This resemblance is inspired by the prophecy of Isaiah, who had a vision of angels surrounding God's holy throne, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. In the New Testament, the book of Revelation depicts God seated in the midst of the angels and the 24 elders who sing, 
to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This theme of heavenly worship recurs frequently in Byzantine liturgical services with their frequent mention of the angelic hosts. The cherubim who stand with fear in your presence and the seraphim who quake and tremble offer to you with ceaseless voices the thrice holy hymn. Together with them we sinners cry out, Holy, holy, holy are you, O God, through the prayers of your saints, have mercy on us. At the divine liturgy, after the gift, holy gifts are sanctified, we pray that they may be received in God's holy, heavenly, and mystical altar. Standing at this holy altar as before your true throne, we offer to a God a worship which has a spiritual reality that goes beyond what we see on the surface. The person who does not see with the eyes of faith perceives worship as mere words and ritual gestures. Those illuminated by faith see it as God with us, sanctifying us, and through us, the world in which we live. So what is the purpose of worship? Worship and the continuing salvation of the world. The church's worship celebrates the eternal truth that God is in our midst, working for our salvation. He has inclined the heavens by the incarnation of Christ and brought us into the life of heaven in the resurrection. Liturgy expresses this life in Christ flowing from our union with God and nourishing us as his children. Christ said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who lives in me and I in him will produce abundantly, for apart from me you can do nothing. Liturgical worship has been described as living in earth, on, heaven on earth, because it is there that we are nourished by the vine which is Christ. As the Lord said, he who is so nourished is meant to produce abundantly, and so our liturgical life calls us to a mission which extends beyond the sanctuary. The church's worship extends our individual profession of faith to include a commitment to God's plan of salvation for the whole world. The services themselves express this commitment through intercession for peace throughout the world, the welfare of the holy churches of God, and the union of all, drawing all persons and nations into our worship. Our involvement in worship also calls us to focus our attention on works of concern for those for whom we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, would be a vain prayer without it. Our action of worship is more than a token of faith. It is our faith itself in action. This is why the Father has insisted so often that our worship constitutes our belief and why our formulas of faith, word symbols, are drawn from our liturgical life. St. Irenaeus taught us this as early as the 2nd century. Our teaching is in accordance with the Eucharist, and the Eucharist in turn establishes our teaching. As an element of tradition, the work of the Holy Spirit is in our church. Liturgical worship is a norm of faith, a source and pattern for life. We are not free to alter it arbitrarily, to treat it as a mere entertainment 
or to reject it as irrelevant without separating ourselves from faith. We live in a society which tempts us to do so because it is both individualistic and subjective. Rather than draw faith from our worship, we have a tendency to force faith to conform to our preconceptions. Instead of seeking a source and pattern for life in our worship, we may try to find refuge from our personal cares and problems. Liturgy is a communal reality. Liturgy is meant for celebration within a community. It is not merely a setting for private prayer or meant as a supplement to our individual spiritual life. Christian worship is based on the New Testament revelation of God as a community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into Christ, we are made children of the Father and bearers of the Spirit, truly members by extension of the community of the Trinity. Together with all the baptized, we are being joined together as a holy temple, built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We are enjoined to let ourselves be the living stones of the temple. Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The church's worship is precisely God's instrument for making us a people, forming us into his kingdom, the kingdom of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Thus, we repeatedly pray in the Holy Spirit for unity in the faith and communion of the Holy Spirit. This communion must not be narrowly understood as the reception of a private share of the divine life through the Eucharist. Our sharing in the life of the Trinity includes the communion of all other believers and we become interrelated members of the body of Christ. This communion is equally the basis for that closer unity which must take place among the members of the community manifested in works of charity for one another. This communion among believers presupposes communion with God and hence incorporates us. Divine worship in the church then is inherently communal, uniting a particular gathering of people with the entire Christian community throughout space and time, in fact with the entire created cosmos through our union with Christ. We must also be aware that celebrations of the sacraments are not completely private ceremonies. Sometimes rites such as baptisms, weddings, and funerals are misconceived as pertaining only to the involved family. Each of these mysteries is instead the action of the whole community. They express our integration of the community of faith, the body of Christ, which is the church. All creation finds fulfillment in worship. The life in Christ involves every aspect of our being, and so divine worship must involve and affect all the bodily senses to focus the whole person on God. This has been given to liturgical this has given rise to liturgical arts, architecture, iconography, and mography, which in the Eastern churches have been so integrated into liturgy that they have become inseparable. And so the liturgical services of the Eastern churches involve the whole person, spirit, soul, and body through gesture, music, sight, and sound. Eastern liturgical worship is designed to facilitate our presence to the reality we are celebrating. 
recognizing that we are creatures of both body and spirit. It is filled with meaning through words and concepts, and it affects each of our bodily senses to open us completely to God's presence. The structure of the church and the color of the icons perceived by vision reinforce our faith that we are truly present to Christ and all his saints. In the Eucharist, we partake of Christ's body and blood and are able to sing, taste and see how good the Lord is. Incense reminds us through smell and sight that we are being offered to God as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and that the bright cloud of the Holy Spirit is filling the temple of our worship. The sacred music of the liturgy instills through our hearing its patterns of God's love in the depths of our being. We are creatures attuned to music, which intrinsically affects us. The vestments of the minister is witness that we are all clothed in God's glory by baptism. Baptism itself physically impinges on us all of our senses by the touch of hands, manifesting God's love by the burial in water representing our death to sin and by the manifold fragrance of chrism giving us every needed gift of the Holy Spirit. Every liturgical celebration encompasses us totally in the saving act of God by elevating and glorifying us in both soul and body. So I think this to sum up what I read today, um, things, a couple of things that, that we should really think about during this reading I did. So when we worship at the Divine Liturgy or any prayer service in church, we are um, worshiping with the heavenly community that's already in heaven. We are participating already in the heavenly life. We are worshiping for the sake of the world, for the salvation of all creation, because God wants all of us to be saved to begin to heaven. We are worshiping as a community. You know, how many times people have told me as a priest, well, you're the priest, you just do that, that service yourself. No, I'm there to lead the service for the people to pray together, to worship as a community of believers. It's, worship is never solitary. We worship as a community of believers. This is so very important. And also, you know, we, um, we, we pray for everyone during our worship. We pray for the world. We pray for uh, our sick people, the, the deceased people. We pray for everyone during our worship. And, and, and it's so important to remember worship is not private. You know, it's, it's communal. And, and the last thing to remember from what I read in this now is that we can't separate our, our, our prayer life from our other parts of our life. It has to be incorporated into our entire life. Our prayer life has to be incorporated into every aspect of our existence. And this is what we need to do to be the Christians God wants us to be. So I have a lot more to talk about later, but this has a, been a good podcast and hope you 
gain some information from it. God bless. Have a good day.